What is up, everybody? Welcome back to arguably the most famous podcast coming out of Madison, Mississippi. Without a doubt, it's the Cody Fitness Podcast. I'm here with not Ben because we kicked him out of our very large studio. We are welcoming in, welcoming into the intro segment, Chris Allen. Hey guys. Hey, what's up? Glad to be back. Yeah, it's been a with, few episodes. With your, it has been. Yeah, mm. I forgot. Year, last time you were, you missed the last two. Yeah, I had to go. Uh, had to go visit. Uh, visit Mickey Mouse. That's yeah. right. How was that trip, by the way? Mickey's doing very well for himself. Really? Yeah. He's aging well. I'll say he, that. He is. He is. He's doing. Uh, he's doing really good. Uh, still, still out there doing his thing. We uh, we had a really good time. Walked around a bunch. Fast Ate. pass it. Oh yeah. Good. Oh yeah. We go. We go all out. <laughs> spared no expense we, when we it comes don't to the we mouse. don't we don't mess around i'm not i'm not waiting any longer in a line than i have to that's fair so we're back with another interview from our very on our very own hunter owen he is uh brought in a uh a friend of his that's also in the the crossfit game phil gilliott which is a great name also known as phil g that's phil usually, g. usually g. what we just would break it down to that's <laughs> yeah that's fair he uh so phil has uh he almost has the the kind of story that like any former athlete that's like coming through the CrossFit, you know, arena, mm-hmm. that's the kind of story you want to have as one Phil's had. Yeah, he uh he was a he was a collegiate uh, collegiate athlete. He played soccer at uh, at Millsaps and um he was a uh, you know, always uh, always had a really good engine. Like we all started CrossFit together, me him, uh, me him and Hunter, and we saw always say like like man, once this guy gets a uh, kind of gets the skill work down and uh, gets his uh, gets his strength up a little bit he's going to be an absolute monster and yeah. um and as you'll uh, as you'll hear in the uh, in the interview um he had a lot of really really good success uh with his uh with his crossfit career and he's doing great things at his uh at his gym crossfit nola down there in new orleans and um yeah and uh, and if I, and uh, phil you know i've known him for a long time he's always got something interesting to say yes it was a very good interview so i think you're going to enjoy it a lot all of you, actually, all one billion people that are listening. I give you a hundred percent guarantee you will enjoy it. We guarantee it. It's our guarantee. Stamp of approval. <laughs> all right. <laughs> before we uh, ramble too much further, here is Phil Gilliott with Hunter. All right, guys. We're here with uh, Phil Gilliott, one of my uh, long lost brothers that I grew up with. Uh, Phil, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, man. I was excited when you asked me. Yeah. Yeah, excited to have you on here. So uh, let's just kind of fill the listeners in on your uh, your background and what got you into CrossFit and and all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah, the background athletically kind of ties exactly how I got into CrossFit because started out played soccer my whole life. Um, ended up playing in college at Millsaps. Uh, that's kind of where I met you. You and I knew each other a little bit because you played baseball there. And then after I graduated from Millsaps, you get to that point where you realize, you know, uh, it's time, time to hang up the cleats. Soccer career ended. Then I was kind of just doing whatever, not really committed to any type of like fitness routine or just trying to work out, stay in shape a little bit. That wasn't working out. And then I just got fat. Uh, kind of <laughs> looked in the mirror one day. I was like, this isn't where you want to be going. I was like 22, 23, and just getting out of shape. And I remember I hadn't talked to you in a while, but we were still friends on like Facebook. And I just saw you posting pictures like climbing ropes, jumping on boxes, lifting weights. Uh, I knew you were living in the same city as me at the time. And I think I still have the email still. I think I kept it like asking you just like, hey, man, 
I'm trying to get back in shape. I'm looking for something. Whatever you're doing looks really cool. Uh, I want to come try it. Is that is that all right? And you just message me back and saying, yeah, just meet me at the gym on Monday. Send me the address. And that must have been eight or nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. That's that's funny, man. Go ahead. And here I am running a CrossFit gym in uh, New Orleans now. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much like, dude, what's that CrossFit thing you've been doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. Yeah, I remember in college that uh, baseball games, you're one of our loyal uh, right field loungers. You were <laughs> almost every game. Oh, man. There's, there's, I'll never, there's one guy at Trinity that still probably remembers me all too well. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> you let him have it, huh? Uh, yeah, I remember uh, because you reached out to me. And I think maybe you had seen the CrossFit Games or something, and I and you saw that I had gone to regionals the year before. I, I think it was 2011, and you, you said I'll, I'll be there on Monday, and I talked to a lot of people who said they would be there on Monday and they never showed up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. And you showed up. I was like, okay, well he showed up. All right, let's get after it. And I remember seeing you and I was like, man, Phil, he, uh, he's had a good time since college. He's, he's, he's kind of let himself go and you admitted it. (laughs) it There's a lot of nights at, uh, Finian's bar. (laughs) That that adds up, man. One year of not doing anything and just not treating your body well, dude, it adds up quick i was i was not where i wanted to be at like 22 23 years old so that's a tough transition you go from uh soccer where you're um forced to be at practice every day you're you have to be in good shape and i remember always seeing you in the weight room you were lifting weights a lot and then you go to doing that your whole life into doing nothing um how did what were you feeling at that time like were you feeling kind of like sluggish kind of loss so what, what 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 was going through your head when you decided you wanted to start crossfit kind of kind of fill us in on those feelings that you felt yeah i think you kind of use the best word i would have thought of it's kind of lost yeah because um, like my been playing soccer at a pretty high level my whole life you, you have this like regimen like as a team you're practicing at this time like during season you're eating at this time your meetings are at the same time and then when the schedule's kind of left open-ended it, it tests your own motivation a little bit uh, and I didn't really answer the call too well during that time and sometimes it takes like a little slap of reality to to get you back into it uh, and then you have to find like your what motivates you and mine wasn't so much like I got fat and I wanted to look better but it just wasn't like the person I wanted to be I was I was working a job I didn't really like at the time it's kind of the first job I had out of college wasn't passionate about it just needed a paycheck so it's like nothing was everything in my life was just kind of lost not not liking where I was and then this was like one of the things I found control of and I was mm-hmm. passionate about it where I found myself at work and I'm just looking at the clock getting ready to get out of there is the best time my day was going to the gym yeah and that's I was more excited about that than anything else <laughs> I'll never forget when you were talking about your job, and, and I said, "Phil, how's your job going?" And you said, "Every day on my way to work, I want to drive into oncoming traffic so I don't have to go." It's like, man, it's, it's weird. You just, I, I can't. Especially, I've been, been coaching. I've been involved in fitness, like coaching CrossFit, uh, at, like during and after grad school for about about six or seven years now, and. I don't know how I could go back to not doing what I love to do yeah. when I wake up. 
Like I don't dread Mondays or anything yeah. at all. Well, that's awesome. I mean, you realized early on, you're like, hey, I don't, you had the self-awareness to say, hey, I don't like where my life is heading. I need to make some changes. And CrossFit was kind of the first step for you. And I think that's very similar to a lot of people because I think you hit the nail on the head. You, you were able to take control um, and you took control. So let's kind of get into what happened. I remember, I think you were my first person I ever put through on-ramp. And, yes, uh, you did my on-ramp. Yeah, that. and so we worked through it and I remember you were uh, – you were really motivated about it. I think your mobility was pretty bad and you didn't have a whole lot of skills, but you were strong. You were always a strong guy and you had that uh, soccer background. And I remember the first thing that you said you wanted to do was be able to do double unders. And I still tell this story to people when um, they're like, I can't get double unders. Well, I was like, well, this guy um, that I put through on ramp, he said he wanted to get double unders. He said, well, the first day I'm going to stay until I get one double under. And then the next yeah. day I'm not leaving until I get two. And the next day, I'm not leaving until I get three. And I remember you were like on day seven or eight or nine or something. And you were, I remember you were doing it for like 30 minutes because you're so yeah, stubborn. Like, you're like, <laughs> you're like, I'm not leaving until I get nine double unders in a row. And you, you kept after it, you kept after it and you did it. And by the time you got to like day 12 or 13, you could do them. And then a year and a half later, you're competing at regionals. And so I tell that story to a lot of people because um, it's really easy to say you're going to do something and then when it gets hard to kind of drop off, but that stick with it, I'm going to do it and I'm going to stay here until I get it done, no matter how long it takes. I think that's one of the things that I've seen in you that's uh, very admirable and I think it's probably contributed to, you, to your success. So kind of tell us like what's going through your head when you're 15 minutes in working on your nine double hunters and you get eight four times in a row and you and you're just you throw in the rope across the room what what keeps you motivated to keep going and not just say i ah, forget it i'm going home it's a lot of knowing what it's like to when you've had that goal and going through the struggles to get there you know that feeling of what it's like to accomplish it and accomplishing something even though for me now it seems weird that such a big goal was like 20 unbroken double unders mm -hmm. but I wanted it so bad because we were doing workouts and like that was what was holding me back. I'd get caught on the road and I was like, I gotta learn this. And then it's just kind of how you were saying earlier, I tell people all the time where the, it, there's no magic pill, but if you were to pick one, it's, it's consistency yeah. and wanting to do something and wanting to go through the part that isn't as much fun are, are two very different things. So, Actions always speak louder than words. Um, and it goes with like kind of all levels of fitness where I'll have people like, yeah, everybody wants to be fit. I don't think anybody would say, I don't want to be a fit person. But when you go through the process, like things get hard. Uh, you're going to have those days where, you know, it's tough to go to the gym. Uh, maybe if you're, you're meal prepping or however you're controlling like what you eat, like the temptations kick in and, uh, like when things get hard, that the actions really show like how bad do you want it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's like I, that was just something I really wanted. I I knew I always wanted like double unders, just a goal of mine at the time. And yeah, I knew once I got double unders, it would be like another one. Uh, I think the muscle up was one that oh god, that one took me forever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So well, yeah, go like, ahead. I knew the and I. Once I had the strategy in my head, I wasn't going to break away. It was kind of how you were saying. I told you, I was like, I'm going to sit in this corner with my rope. Today's day four until I get four unbroken yeah. double on. Like, I'm going to sit here and whip myself. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think that's probably the reason why you were able to have success in the sport so quickly. I remember 
you came to regionals that next year and to watch. And then the next year, so you're about a year and a half in, you qualify for regionals. And talking about consistency, you ended up qualifying as an individual, was it six years in a row? Yeah. Six years in, in a row. First year was a shock. Yeah. Hey, I, I signed up for the Open. I mean, that's just kind of what you do. Like, the gym was doing it. At the time, I had already moved to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So I was at um, – I was at – I was training at CrossFit NOLA. And there's another athlete named Jeff Germain who – and he's my boss now. But, like, I got down. I did the Open. And I think I'd done the first two workouts. I didn't think much of it. Like, submitted my scores. Oh, it was hard. I think I did as well as I could. I noticed my scores were looking like they seemed good because I was doing them in a big group. And someone kind of came up to me after week two and was like, hey, you know, you're – that was at the time when they took 48. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in like 50-something place. Like, hey, you know, you're around that top 48. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> I kind of like double-checked, and that's when – the last like three weeks of the open, that's when I'm, I had no idea I was sitting there. I think my goal was like to get in the top 200, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, and that was the first year I was, because I remember being there the year before watching you. Yeah. Thinking like, there's no way I could get on that floor and hold my own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I remember just going as a spectator in 12 and then being on the floor in 2013. That was, that was such a cool experience getting out there for the first time. And then, so you went on and qualified five more times after that, and uh, you went team one year, and then you had to miss one year because of your brother's wedding. So, um, what kind of walk us through your experience at regionals, both as an individual and as a team? What did it feel like being out on the floor? Um, did you do as well as you expected? What did you wish you would have done better? And what were your big takeaways from all that? Um. So the first year when I was an individual, like it was already sort of mission accomplished. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was weird, like not knowing anything. I think our first workout that year was Jackie. Yeah. is about a five and a half to six minute workout. I think I warmed up for about an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like completely not the normal way I train or warm up. I just, I don't know why, but, uh, and then 2014 was when it really, exploited where I was not training correctly. Mm-hmm. That was the first year they had the handstand walk, the strict handstand push-ups, the legless rope climbs, and that just exploited me completely mm-hmm. as an athlete. I wasn't doing enough strict work. I wasn't doing enough body weight work. Um, I was just this guy that could grind through like hard workouts and lift a barbell very fast. And they every weakness I had, they – they exploited and I didn't do uh, very well there. Um, but it was good as an athlete that's trying to push themselves. You want to find where you can improve. Mm-hmm. So I, I put a lot of work um, there. And then when they had the handstand pushups in the open the next year, I, I did good enough to make it. Um, as far as like on the team side, when I went on team, um, yeah, you know, I mean, everybody's doing it. I'm not trying to lie about it. We did the, the quote unquote super team type thing. We pulled a bunch of athletes from around the area. Uh, it was myself, Jeff Germain, who had been to the games a couple of years before, um, Chad, who was a member of the CrossFit NOLA team in the past. And we had girls, Kelsey Briner, uh, Jody, and um, Alyssa LaFont, who's made as an individual. And we just, we had a great time training. Teams a lot of fun. Uh, we didn't 
meet the goal of going to the games. But team training is definitely a different element. Uh, the year we went, it was three and three, so six people on the team. I will say I do think changing it to four and four is a was a good move, mm-hmm. maybe a little overdue. Um, for a couple aspects, one, I think it's just hard to create good workouts on a small floor with six people in a heat or in a lane. Uh, you have ten, you have ten teams going in that heat. That's sixty people on the floor. Like that's a lot happening. Yep. And then on the training side of it, I think just getting six functioning adults, none of us are, <laughs> like none of us are professional athletes. Like we all have other lives going on to be on the same page to train is hard. You end up like, all right, Sunday night, 8.30 PM. Yeah. That's like the yeah. only time we can all meet up to train and practice some of the team events. Mm-hmm. Um, I love team. I, if I'm picking one, I do enjoy the individual aspect of it a little more. And I think that's part because I played a team sport my whole life. Yeah. I, this is my first time feeling what it's like where everything's on you mm-hmm. and the highs are higher, but at the same time, the lows are low. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I felt the same way. It was my first time to really compete uh, by myself and without a team. And I really enjoyed it for a while. But then by the end of my run, I, I enjoyed the team aspect again uh, a little bit more. But so you, you qualify for regionals uh, six times and – uh, now, uh, Dave Castro or CrossFit kind of changes everything on the, uh, Every, comp- every. <laughs> competition <laughs> side of things. So what are your plans going, uh, going forward? You know, how, how did you take all those changes? What were your thoughts on that? And, and kind of what's, what's your competitive CrossFit career look like in the future? Ooh, very, very good question. Let's, let's start with the, the thoughts on the change. Um, so initially when they announced the change, I had I kind of had that natural reaction I think most people do of like, because I've had great experiences at regionals. It's always been a driver for me. So it was kind of like when I saw they were getting rid of it, my initial reaction was like, like not anger, but I, I guess disagreement with. Um, I, I didn't understand it. And then as I started reading further and further, I think a lot of people had a same reaction. And I think what happened was people have to remember when they made this change, they didn't make it with the announcement of they're doing this for the betterment of the CrossFit Games. The reason for the change was for the betterment of the CrossFit affiliate experience, where with that being the goal, I think they accomplished it. Because obviously, I mean, we all I, we know all the regionals cost money. I know these convention centers aren't allowed to go there for free. So I know they're spending money. I didn't realize how much money they were spending. So when you're talking, I think they put out some numbers for the Latin American regional. It was over a million dollars to send one guy, one girl, uh, one team to the games. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. Um, the, the thing I would say I didn't like about the change was I feel it happened too quickly with no buildup. And I still feel like they don't even know the full process of the change. It, they kind of just let us know like little bits at a time. And it still feels like they're putting it together. Mm-hmm. I would have rather them have like a very thorough thought out plan. And right when they announced it, every athlete could read it top to bottom and be like, okay, so this is the process to go from where I am now to making the CrossFit games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it was just kind of a little thrown together. Um, and like I said, a little too abrupt. But 
you know, that's just my thought. Obviously, they didn't consult me in the decision. Yeah, they didn't consult any of us. I think. Uh, <laughs> they didn't consult anybody. I think that uh, that's pretty common uh, feeling throughout most of CrossFit, and then Dubai qualifiers going on right now and they still haven't yeah, released the, the scores right before you call me yeah they still hadn't re uh, released the scorebook the 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 rule book or anything like that so everybody's kind of like man what is going on what is taking so long i will say when i when i had time to really like think about where because the change wasn't just for the 2019 season this is a change and i'm sure they're looking five ten who knows how long down the road how many years down the road I think they're trying to set it up where if you're truly a top 50 athlete in the world, you can be a professional CrossFit athlete mm -hmm. and pay your bills by, by competing in the sport, which is good because, I mean, HQ's always tried to make this like polarity between the CrossFit games and the CrossFit methodology, general physical preparedness. And I think regionals may have created this like gray area in between um, for instance, like I fell into that gray area. Uh, it's it's weird to think that for someone who's a regional athlete, not a perennial games athlete, I fall into this weird middle ground. And that makes me not only not a priority, but almost like a burden. Mm -hmm. I'm like the problem they had to solve. Yeah. Um, and this is meant to like create, uh, like I said, an even set it up to where if you are one of the best in the world, like this can be your job. Mm -hmm. uh, the purses are going to be bigger at these sanctions. These people are going to be able to make a lot of money. And if it's a risk, obviously when you show up to those competitions, there's no guarantee you're coming away with money, but if you're willing to take that risk and you're good enough, more power to you. Yeah, I agree. I think it definitely professionalizes the athletes and it also makes the regional athletes kind of take a step back and say, what am I really doing here? Like, I'm trained. I'm training 20 hours a week. I'm, I'm, I don't have a social life. I'm putting all in all this into one weekend where I get to go and compete and get my brain stomped in by, by some incredible athletes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it, it kind of was a good wake up call for everybody. And I think in the long term, like you said, it, it is a good thing, but I agree with you how they handled the announcement and how it's all gone down. is just kind of Kind of rubbed some people the wrong way, but so what are what are you? When they, when they first announced regionals was axed, they still didn't know what the replacement was. They did. We're canceling regionals, mm -hmm. and they might have. They might announce. I don't know, but from the person that doesn't have the information they have, that was the impression I got. Yeah, I think I think just by the lack of information coming out over the months, that just shows that they didn't know what they were doing. They just made a <laughs> a knee jerk reaction. I feel like they don't know the whole process. No, they don't. Like um, we still go ahead. No, yeah, I mean, I was just saying, yeah, like we, I don't think we still know the entire picture to get from before the first sanctioned event to the CrossFit Games through the Open. Yeah. So what what does your uh, future in CrossFit look like? I know you're managing a gym in in New Orleans and uh, a gym that does really well. And uh, I know you started a new new class at your gym that you're really enjoying doing. What what does your future look like in fitness? Yeah, so I I absolutely love being in in the fitness industry. Um, we talked about how once the, the athletic career ends, whether it be CrossFit, the sport you play, you kind of have to start finding new thing. And I truly feel like my best skill set is helping other people 
reach their fitness goals and get to that version of themselves they're trying to be. Because I know what it's like when you're lost, and I feel like I'm very, very good at of helping people solve that same problem I was in. Um, but yeah, so I manage. I work at. I'm a head coach at CrossFit Nola. I manage our downtown gym. Uh, if you're ever visiting New Orleans, come take one of my classes at CrossFit Nola. Uh, that goes to anybody listening, not just you. <laughs> <laughs> We know uh, it yeah. happens when I go to your gyms. I, I get all your uh, equipment out and <laughs> take loop <little laughs> pictures with it. Um, but yeah, I started a, a new class um, that I was working on for a while with the, the style of training, um, the movements, the movement patterns. It's a class I call Muscle and Flow. Um, it's a lot of work with like kettlebells, dumbbells, machines, and uh, bodyweight work. And kind of the concepts of it is very, very quickly changing movement patterns. Uh, a lot of unilateral work, so single arm, single leg. Rarely will you see like sets of 10. It's usually movement combinations of two to three different movements. And you're gonna do sets of like perform three reps on this, three reps on that, three reps on this, keep going. So for example, uh, a complex we did earlier this week was each athlete had one kettlebell. Uh, for 90 seconds, they would do two single step back lunges, two single arm thrusters on one arm, then switch, two step back lunges, one leg, two single arm thrusters, next leg. They would do that for 90 seconds, rest a minute. Um, we did that for five rounds. Um, and it's always, each class is going to have three to four different complexes, um, really, really working on challenging the way the body moves. I think that's where a lot of people miss uh in their training is challenging their movement like exercise isn't all equal like lifting weights running these easy kind of not easy but movement patterns that aren't challenging us can sometimes long term lower the ceiling of what we can do as far as with our fitness and i think by challenging the movement patterns especially for young athletes uh really teaching them how to move i think it's very, very beneficial for everyone, depending on your goals, because it can be easily modified and then it can be scaled up for, for people who might be better movers mm -hmm. uh, and kind of challenge them even further. Yeah, that's cool, man. I've been following that on Instagram and it looks like a really cool class and it looks like you've got a good turnout and good following for it. So kudos to you on that. Well, I know you got a class coming up, but uh, one more thing, I, we 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 like to talk about pop culture on this podcast too. That, yeah, one shameless plug, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Still, still working on the website. I don't know when the launch date is going to be, but for whenever this gets released, whoever listens, muscleandflowfitness.com. Oh, look at you! Workouts, videos. Uh, get to see some of the complexes that I've put together. Um, please go check it out. Feel free to scroll through the whole page, share any of the videos, but muscleandflowfitness.com. I don't have a date for the release date, hopefully sooner rather than later. Cool. I'm slowly discovering designing a website from scratch is yeah. an infinitely more difficult task than I had uh, anticipated. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Oh, that's cool, man. That's exciting. And uh, they can also find this stuff on your Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Phil underscore Gilead. Yeah, you better uh, spell you better spell Gilead. Gilead G U I L L O T. Okay, cool. Yeah, they can go check that out. It's a pretty sweet Instagram page. I would, <laughs> I would recommend giving it a follow. 
So we like to talk about pop culture on here as well. And we would be remiss if we got you on the podcast and we didn't talk about wrestling because anybody who follows <laughs> you knows that you're an ultimate wrestling fan and you, you train with the guys whenever they come in uh, to New Orleans for a show. And uh, you've, you've told me some pretty cool stories of, of getting to work out with some pretty, pretty big time wrestlers, but like John Cena and guys like that. But so a funny story about John Cena before I go remind me. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what, what we wanted to do is real quick, just name your top three uh, wrestlers of all time. And I came up with three, two. Uh, I'll go first. So, cause I know you're probably, you'll probably, you'll probably uh, put me to shame. I'll probably put way, <laughs> way more thought than a 30 year old adult male should be putting into this question. So mine are uh, number three is the ultimate warrior because uh, when I first started watching wrestling back when I was like five or six, uh, he was the guy that I really liked. And uh, I would practice the moves I saw wrestling on my little brother on the couch. And then <laughs> after about six months of that, my mom made me quit watching wrestling because I kept like body slamming onto the uh, couch. So Ultimate Warrior was my number three. Number two would be Stone Cold uh, Steve Austin because when I got back into wrestling, I loved uh, watching him. I loved his attitude. And I loved whenever his his, you know, there'd be a, like a match coming on and then all of a sudden you'd hear his music, the, the breaking glass, and he'd come running in and stun everybody. And Everyone gets excited when yeah. they hear that. Oh, when you hear the glass shatter, like you would jump up out of the air, uh, out of your chair and start screaming. And it was awesome. Number one is The Rock. And when I was watching wrestling, I really didn't like The Rock. But after going back and uh, watching like his greatest uh, hits DVD and he was the ultimate smack talker. I think that there's, that's oh, ever walked the, the a planet. He is hilarious. So funny. When, when you look back and you see the guys that got you to hate them so much, yeah. that's kind of how good they were. Man, he was so good. React, you either, they would be the most loved. The worst thing would be is kind of just forgotten. Yeah, but the rock man and, I love watching movies with him and everything. He's he's hilarious and his Instagram is great. He's just an awesome guy. So that's my top three. So uh, let's let's get into yours because I know you put a lot more thought in it than I did. Probably probably too much thought. So I'll start from the bottom up. I had to go with the tie for number three. So we're already we're already starting with controversy. <laughs> yeah. Number three right now is Seth Rollins. Mm -hmm. A little bit of bias. He's he CrossFit promoter. Uh, I know him. He's a very cool guy. And then as far as, like, his in-ring ability, I think right now he is the best sports entertainer on the planet. Wow. He could do a match with Brock Lesnar. He could do a match with Rey Mysterio and be able to hold his own with anybody of any type. And whoever he's fighting has to live up to his standard. Yeah. Uh, he can play. He's gotten people to hate him. He's gotten people to love him. I think Seth Rollins is the best right now. I think his best days are still in front of him. And as time, if we have the same conversation in a few years, he'll probably be higher up on the list. Nice. He's tied with CM Punk. <laughs> CM Punk was the first to really bring the like backstage storylines to the, to the ring. So like stuff that was like actual personal beef going on in the locker room. He would talk about in the ring. He was the, Definitely kind of like started bucking the system a little bit and was very, very unique in that and kind of a trailblazer, for lack of a better term, with like that style of like letting the audience know what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
uh, CM Punk. His career is a little short. He had his own. I think he had too much beef with the back. <laughs> he doesn't have the, the longevity. Yeah. But, yeah. Number two, we have the same number two. Stone Cold. There you go. <laughs> for the same reasons. Yeah. The, the Attitude Era, which was probably when we were watching, like when we were like that 13, 15 age, when you yeah. just loved I mean, he was the face of the Attitude Era. Yeah, he was. You hear 30 years old. If I hear glass shatter, I still wake up. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready to go. Wait for the rest of that music to hit. Yeah. And then number one, this was the easiest decision of all. There was only one number one. The GOAT, the greatest of all time, Chris Jericho. <laughs> I knew that's who it was going to be, man. No other wrestler has been able to do it as long as he has. He's reinvented himself so many times. Uh, he Last time he was on Raw, he had the list of Jericho. Mm-hmm. This grown man walking around with a list that had no consequences, putting people's names down, and the crowd would just go crazy when yeah. he would put you on the list. And then I think he had one of the greatest debuts of all time. If you remember, he interrupted your boy. So The Rock was on stage, on the ring, doing mm-hmm. a promo. And all of a sudden, Chris Jericho comes out and interrupts The Rock. <laughs> yells out, Raw is Jericho. <laughs> and, like, best debut ever. The countdown clock went. Uh, but without a doubt, Chris Jericho is number one. Awesome. And then I'll give one honorable mention. Okay. If there's any wrestling fans out there that know about wrestlers on the indie scene, there's a guy named Dalton Castle. He's not in the WWE yet. He's in a, an indie circuit. Very, very entertaining. His character's hilarious. He's, Google he, him. He's an up-and-comer, huh? He, oh, he's there. He's just got to get the contract. I hear you. I hear you. Well, that's a good list, man. Well, tell us before before you go. Tell us your John Cena story. <laughs> well, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll tag him. In at, we're, we're known worldwide, so he'll probably, he'll probably hear this. <laughs> nice guy uh he came in the gym one time during wrestlemania to lift and uh we had we, we gave him like our code to get in i mean john cena we're gonna help him out yeah and i come back in to coach class next morning did not put his weights up oh <laughs> come on man Tom plates all over the floor oh come on he probably had 300 pounds on the bar he's like phil just letting you know i snatched that right before i left <laughs> squatting and that dude can squat there are a lot of a lot of plates on that bar yeah oh he's a super nice guy comes in talks to everybody takes pictures they're, they're all really cool we're excited when they come through town get to hang out with them for a little bit cool cool well phil thanks for being on the show man that was really good really fun um really enjoyed uh getting to know you through the years and look forward to uh seeing what the future holds for you man yeah, man. Like I said, thanks for responding to that email. Yeah, years ago. Eight years ago, and here we are. <laughs> if you just deleted it, or went to <laughs> that's right. Okay, man. Well, uh, uh, good talking to you, and I'll, I'll let you get out today and uh, coach your class, man. All right, man. Thanks right. again for having. Me. Yep. Thanks. See. Ya. What a freaking interview! That was. That was that was satisfying. That's the only way I can describe that, I think. Phil G, spitting hot fire like always. <laughs> uh, very thankful for having Phil on the show. Uh, he kind of has one of those stories that if you're switching over from another sport, that's the that's the story you want to have, right? Absolutely. 
don't don't you want to say something about uh, his appearance, Phil, uh, Chase? You know what? <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. He's quite a good looking guy. <laughs> quite a good looking guy. Yeah. One of the secrets of the show is we FaceTime in the guest, and I just it's gotta be it's gotta be the hair. Glanced over <laughs> yeah. at that screen, and I saw that hair. I was like, that that is a man I can that is a man I can support. He has the Ace Ventura haircut. <laughs> Lockdown. <laughs> All right, so we are uh, we are now doing a, just a really hard transition into our favorite segment. Outside the box. Yes, we are back without Ben because honestly, that's the way it should be at this point. <laughs> his answers. If we're gonna rank us one to four, he's definitely a four on the uh, on the totem pole. He's, he's, wow. he's in the cellar. Yeah, maybe even five. <laughs> maybe even five. <laughs> Any other guests we've ever had as a buzzer? <laughs> Uh, so we are back with Outside the Box. Uh, we are going with a topic that Chris has come up with. It is uh, the top two from each of these. It's top two overrated and underrated holiday foods, which is a great, great topic, honestly. One, it's, I think it's a topic that's not uh, discussed enough. Because I, I would absolutely agree. That's why I brought it up. Yes, it, needs to be, it needs to be put out there. You know, some foods I'm tired of them. They need to be they need to be taken out, they need to be and retired. some and some they need to be retired. Absolutely, yeah, that's fair. All right, sweet. Well, I think that uh, our very fearless leader Hunter should start us off if he is so ready. Yeah, uh, I would say my most overrated are both stuffing and dressing. Don't really care for either interchangeable. One of them. Both awful. I mean, just really just any mm. any basic Thanksgiving food I think is overrated. I'm not I'm not a big <laughs> fan of it. I'll now have, I'll I will have to say counter you on that here later in our yeah, underrated yeah. segment. Now I will say that in the last couple of years, uh, at at my family uh, Thanksgiving get together, the food has been really really good, and it's it's been a little bit different than uh, the traditional Thanksgiving food. So uh, I don't even know what all the dishes are, but they were all really good. But I'll just say <laughs> dressing and uh, stuffing, both of them. Uh, some of the, some don't green, don't really some of this and, cran- and cranberry sauce, cranberry sauce. That, you throw that in there too. <laughs> you're stealing both God, my answers. <laughs> Number two, no doubt, is not just cranberry sauce, canned cranberry sauce. Anything that comes out of the can looking like the can should not be eaten. <laughs> it, that, it's disgusting. And my number one also is dressing because why? It just look. It looks like you fed cornbread and some herbs to a child, and they threw it up, and then you heated it up in the oven. Well, now I'm never gonna be able to eat it again. Good, because <laughs> you should. It's overrated. You guys are getting me hot over here. I'm telling you. <laughs> my, well, before you, you start defending yourself, what are your overrated? My uh, my uh, my most uh, my most overrated is absolutely just the traditional Thanksgiving meats in general: turkey, ham. Really? Come on, we can do better than that. You know for. For me, it, need, it needs to be upgraded. It's like this is like you know the the biggest uh, the biggest meal you're gonna eat as a uh, as a family of the year. It needs to be upgraded to either <laughs> something like a pork tenderloin or just go all in. Let's do steak. Yeah, that's fair. What's that's more fair. American than a good steak? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Absolutely, it's as American as Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your number one? Uh, my my number one my number one overrated is pretty much any dessert that has uh, that's like fruit at its base it's like the apple pies peach you cobbler you like apple pie you I, like I, I like it cobbler? i like it fine but it's overrated is all i'm saying oh i don't know man oh i don't know i love yeah. peach cobbler yeah yeah sure i mean you know who, who doesn't love it? i'm just saying overhyped it insists upon itself <laughs> 
That's quite a strong stance on some dessert. <laughs> All right, well, let's transition to underrated, the things that we can uh, at least appreciate together, uh, hopefully. I would say underrated would be any non-traditional American foods. Just throw it in there. I mean, I think America's a boiling pot at this point. Melting pot. Not a boiling pot. <laughs> a melting pot. <laughs> I don't know. This day and age, it might be a boiling pot. Yeah. It's, a, it's definitely in a slow simmer right now. But uh, uh, I would say, you know, throw in some, uh, some Asian cuisine in there. Throw in some Mediterranean food in there. But for me, uh, frozen pizza is definitely my most uh, underrated because every Thanksgiving night – it's become a tradition at our house to eat uh, a frozen pizza. DiGiorno? Oh, yeah. DiGiorno. We get, we get a, a, a wide variety. One of every kind. But DiGiorno really? is great, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're about as American as the Nikes you're wearing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> was that your number one or is that your number two? Uh, I would say number two is just any non-traditional American food. And number one is frozen pizza for sure. Nice. I can get behind that. Any, any change up I think is good when it comes to tradition, especially ones that are so as poor as uh, our current holiday ones. But before I get to that, my number two, I will say, this is not brought to the table enough. And when it is, people don't put enough of it on their, on their plates, but it's butter beans. Butter beans are the staple side of the American cuisine, and I don't care what anyone says. They are, they're so good, and people need to start giving them more respect than they do. I had to fight for butter beans to actually be on the countertop at my Thanksgiving this year, and I, I was a little perturbed. I should not have yeah. to fight for butter beans to be on the to be to be on the, if on me the and list. You were, if me and you were to have Thanksgiving dinner, you would not have to worry about getting enough butter beans. Those Good. are all you, bro. <laughs> you don't like butter beans? I like them fine, but I'm not going to sprint to the to the table to go get another <laughs> helping of butter beans. You're very passionate about butter beans. <laughs> They're so good. All right, and my number one is kind of similar to what Hunter was saying. Uh, I worded as such, skipping all the traditional trap crap, excuse me, and just frying some chicken strips. No, no greater uh, no greater Thanksgiving has occurred, at least in my lifetime, than when we ditched all the uh, turkey and ham like you were talking about, Chris, mm -hmm. and just my grandmother floured up and threw in some good old chicken tenders that were still to this day probably the best I've ever had. They were incredible. So that's what makes it my number one. Were you the underrated. kid that only had chicken strips for every single meal? No, 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 no. I, I, I am picky, but it's not <laughs> It's not like – it's stuff like I can't like have spicy food and stuff. I'm just a baby more than I am picky, really. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Hunter. No, not Hunter. Sorry, Chris. All right, so, uh, so, my, uh, so my second most, uh, most underrated, uh, underrated food is the um, uh, macaroni and cheese because of, oh, yeah. because of its versatility. Because you can pretty much you throw anything you want onto some macaroni and cheese, and you can just make a just an incredible an incredible dish. You can throw bacon in there. You mm. can throw you know whatever you want. Uh, very underutilized, and there's a, just a lot of ways to get creative with it. That I think people just kind of get lazy. And eh, macaroni, eh, there you go. Describe but, uh, describe like texture wise what makes the best macaroni. Well, I mean, with it being uh, you know having a being chewy and all that kind of stuff, you got to do something that's going to give it a little bit of a crunch. Yeah. In the, my so opinion. the crispy so top. Yeah, yeah. The crispy top, you know, maybe uh, you bake it a little longer so that, it, you mm -hmm. know, it gets a little, a little burnt on top maybe, but yeah. then, uh, but also, like I said, throwing, throwing some chopped up bacon in there with it. Yeah. It's good stuff. I don't think there's anything worse than dry macaroni and cheese. Like the craft. The only thing, the only thing worse is dry turkey. <laughs> that's the only, that's fair. The only it's a good callback. Yeah. All right, your number one. My my number one is sweet potato casserole. Ooh. Do yeah. you put marshmallows on it? 
I don't only only because I just don't think uh, I don't think it's needed. It's mm. kind of like putting ketchup on a good steak. I mean, why why mess with it? Yeah, that's and good. Uh, what uh, I mean, what I love what I love about it is that it's great beside itself, but also. If you do end up, like let's say you're over at someone's house and you know the turkey's a little dry, maybe a little bland, you uh, dip your fork in the uh, in the sweet potato casserole and put and then uh, and then stick it on a piece of a piece of turkey, eat it, and it's like it's like the world's greatest uh, condiment, also. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, to each their own. That's what this country was born on. That's what this boiling <laughs> pot was made to be. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, that's a pretty solid, short and sweet, just yeah. like a uh, sweet potato. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> well, that does it for us today. Any uh, recommends from the two of you guys? Yeah, I have. I have one. Uh, I, I like to read um, fiction no. before bed, and uh, <laughs> I've been reading the uh, the Jack Reacher series. Yeah, and I think I've read. I think I'm on the fourth one. I really like them. They're they're real good page turners. Uh, interesting, exciting, quick, easy read. It's it's nice to kind of read that and wind down before bed. So I recommend that. Uh, I think Chris Chance at the gym recommended to me them to me a while ago, and I've kind of slowly been working through them, and I'm finishing up the fourth one now. So if you like uh, easy, fast read, uh, exciting, sus- suspenseful, uh, check those books out because they're they're pretty fun. Yeah, well, you just reminded me of. Some, a series of books that I read a while back I hadn't thought about to right now but there's a you guys ever heard of the Cal Swanson series Mm-mm. it's a uh, they did the uh, they did the having a former military guy write a book kind of about their life fictionally before it was cool mm-hmm. so they were kind of ahead of the curve on that I think there's three or four but they are some of the best fiction like realistic fiction uh, fiction military books I think I've ever read. They're really good. Uh, I, the titles are kind of, there's not like any consistency to the titles or anything. So your best bet is just to Google Kyle Swanson and uh, look at the, uh, I think it's three or four and they're all super solid. Especially the first two are very, very good. What about you, Chris? Anything? Yeah. Um, I just started a, uh, a podcast um, that we talked about off the, uh, off the mic. Um, yeah. It's called a fall of a Titan. It is a, uh, Sports Illustrated writer, I can't uh, I can't remember his name right now. I'm a, uh, just finished the uh, just finished the first real episode, and it is uh, it's about the the murder of Steve McNair, and um, the guy uh, brings up he uh, he puts a lot of different uh, a lot of interviews from different people, some uh, some facts that were overlooked about that case. I mean, it was just presumed that it was a uh, that it was a murder suicide, but when you really start looking at the case and you start really digging into uh, into the facts. Um, there's a there's a lot of scandal behind it. There's a there's a lot of reason to believe that it could have been something like a robbery or something like that. So it's a it's pretty intense, and I've really enjoyed it so far. So I would uh, definitely recommend checking that out. Fall of a Titan. Sweet, awesome. That's three solid recommends right there. Yeah. All very uh, spicy to use a. Good yeah. Bit, there's a, a good lot of a uh, lot of free time over the the holidays. So. Uh, yeah. Hopefully you can fill it That's with true. some. Uh, it might be a little too cold to go to the box, so whenever you can, uh, fight get the urge. Fortunately, ours is uh, is uh, insulated and has uh, and has air true. conditioning. It's it very is, warm. In it there. is climate controlled. Yeah. So sweet. So you don't have to worry about getting too cold when you come to the gym, Chase. Perfect. <laughs> All right, sweet. I want to transition out before I start getting getting made fun of. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Uh, once again, thanks to Phil for uh, hopping on interview with Hunter today. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? 
I'm good. That's it, bro. All right, sweet. See you later.